How about today? Has this been fun? Hey, all those that serve, everyone. How about this band and worship team? How about Travis over there on that lead guitar? My man there now. God brought you here just for me, son. You know that, right? <laughs> I love me some guitar. <sighs> Feels good, doesn't it? How about all the teachers and the students and the kids? How about give it up to those children? Come on now. All those that rehearsed and served and how about our choir? Come on now. My, my, my. It's like, well, how do you deal with all this and, and you have a Christmas service and you da 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 da, da but Jesus. Yeah, but what do, what do we do when we go through tragedy? But Jesus. What do we do when, when we get a bad report and our life turns on a dime? But Jesus. You know, you hear this saying, it seems like a cliche. Well, you know, you know, we just, uh, you know, we don't, we don't understand everything and, and you know, but, but God's with us and, and there's so much fear and doubt because people just, you know, use God's blessing and favor as a cliche and, and we hear this all the time too, it's like, well, I just don't know what I'd do if I didn't have the Lord. And that's right, we don't know what we'd do. And there's people under the sound of my voice in this room and online that you don't know the Lord as your Lord and Savior. And when you're going through tragedy and turning it into triumph, it takes Jesus. I said, it takes Jesus. You know, uh, I'm just going to take a few moments and wrap things up. Miss Gwen, uh, when she had her uh, vision sitting on the front row in September, uh, she said a few things in it. And I want to, and we were talking about really the move of God. Have we been experiencing a move of God or what, church? Come on. She said, while we're in this, the Holy Spirit told her, we cannot be fearful. We cannot, cannot go back to where we come from. That as people of God, we experience freedom and so forth, and freedom, and we don't have to worry or run back to concentrate, uh, you know, on what was going on. That was the word. We got to stop. Don't concentrate. Don't focus on what the enemy is doing, but focus on what I am, what God is doing. That doesn't mean we neglect it and we hide in a corner somewhere, but our focus cannot be on worry or fear. Our focus must be in faith on the triumph because Jesus already defeated death, hell, and the grave. Can somebody say amen? And then she said, and God said, have you ever encountered growth or a move without the enemy jumping in in some kind of way? God asked her a question. So we don't have to be concerned. Yes, we are going to pray against it, pray and stop the hand of the enemy, which is what we've done today. But we concentrate and our focus is on him, not what the enemy is doing. The water is stirred. It's time to get in. No more limitations. No more hesitation. It's time to get in. Is anybody in? I said, is anybody in? So we're not nervous. We're going to see her, I'll see her, you know, Steph's mom, Miss Patty Hilled. She's already healed. By his stripes, she's healed. We're going to see an amazing, amazing, multiple miracles with DJ, multiple miracles in his body. 
Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. We're, we're here to focus on you and God and our families and all those we love and care about. Holy Spirit, lead us today as we just wrap up this amazing, beautiful day. We don't really wrap it up. We just do the next phase, and then we just continue on with you. I thank you that your word is true, and let your, your, you be true and every man be a liar, Father, because we concentrate and focus on what you have said and what you have done and what you are doing today, and we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, I said, and the church said, Amen. All right. So I want to talk to you just a few minutes here as we wrap up and then we pray. And that is about the true light of Christmas. And as we think about that, there are certain lessons can be learned. And I, I'm not going to read a lot of scripture that, that's kind of traditional. But in Luke's gospel, chapter 1, we, we see uh, a couple of key encounters, one being with Mary, Jesus' mother. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about the light of the world, and I want to talk to you about light itself, because whenever we begin to look at Jesus, who is the light of the world, right, and we begin to understand the purpose for light, the purpose for light is what? To help us see things clearly. The opposite of light is darkness, where you, where you do not see things clearly. Light is necessary to dispel darkness, so you are illuminated to reality. Men who live in darkness don't see clearly, which increases sins, mistakes, and failures in their lives. But Jesus is who? The light of the world. And his job is to bring his reality to your darkness. Hmm. So if we're going to catch the Christ in the Christmas, <laughs> that means we must be able to see our life as it ought to be. We are able to evaluate our life as it ought to be evaluated. We're, we, we should understand that when we see things clearly and the lines are drawn, that the darkness we've gotten used to operating in must flee. Say, darkness go. Say, darkness go. Now, if we read beginning in Luke's Gospel 1, when you get home, just read all of Luke 1 and 2, and you'll get the whole Christmas thing. It's amazing. And I'm not saying the Christmas thing. I'm talking about our tradition because Christmas is Christ Mass. Christ is the Son of God. He is, the Bible says, He is the Anointed One. He is the Anointed One, and He has an anointing. And we want to focus on what He has done. He finished the work on Calvary, and we want to focus on what He is doing. He is not only the Anointed One, but He has an anointing, and we have His Spirit in these earthen vessels. The Bible says we have that treasure in these earthen vessels, and we can release what's inside us when we're believers and born again. We can release the Spirit of God in us on on whatever situation we have. The Bible says no weapon formed against you can prosper. And as we release it's what's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you or around you. And as I sit here, I see several families I love so much that you've had loved ones go to be with the Lord even recently. Many of you, you're in here and you're going to go home and be alone. You're watching online and maybe you're sitting there alone and you don't have someone to be with you through, during this time of celebration and relationships. Some of you don't want to go back to the home you live in. 
because of failed relationships or anger or unforgiveness living in that household. It's not necessarily it's just them. You got to check your heart too. But as we call on the light of the world, his light illuminates our hearts. You see, his anointing is in you for your sake, but on you for the sake of others. And diamonds are made through pressure. Diamonds are made through pressure. It even goes down, the, the mineral even goes down to coal. And then when coal is even older and older, and then the pressure and the pressing begins to form what we call a diamond. But a diamond in the rough doesn't look like a diamond. Someone has to dig it out. Someone has to work on it. They have to put chemicals. They have to do all these things to get the diamond to shine. But when the diamond shines, it lights up anything around. When the light, a uh, reflection of light hits it, it illuminates it a hundred or more times. A diamond can be so sharp on the tip of something that, that you could cut a rock into with it. The light of the diamond is kind of like the light. It gives you an illustration of the Christ, our Lord our risen Savior. He, he can come in and he can light up and bring revelation and understanding. He can come in and he can cut out fear and cut out doubt and unbelief and do surgical things to broken hearts and light them up and mend them and put them back in working order. Say <laughs> so he is the light of the world. He is the light of my life. You know, as I look at this and I think about Jesus being the immaculate conception, right? And that's what he's called, the immaculate conception. In other words, it could only come because Holy Spirit came in and put the seed in her of the Son of God as she conceived and gave birth to the Son of God. It's called the immaculate conception. As I think about that, what a miracle. The greatest miracle that has ever happened was Jesus coming in, being placed in the womb of a little young virgin that was betrothed, that was set aside for marriage, and then he came forth. And he lived just like everybody else lived, worked in his dad's carpentry shop, all those things till he was 30 years old, and then he went out in to do what his father sent him to do. But what I want you to look at here is that we're going to talk a couple moments about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then we're going to talk about how she handled the word that the angel of the Lord gave her, and then we're going to talk about Zechariah, uh, her cousin's husband, the priest, and how he handled the word that God gave him through his angel. So as we look first, and I'm not going to read it, but you can go through Luke 1 through verse 1 through, I don't know, about 40 or something like that. But I'm going to hit a few verses here in a moment for you. So in chapter 1, we see in Luke what the angel of the Lord comes to Mary. Now, once Mary was engaged and, and they had paid their dowry to their parents, that she would stay one year with her parents alone and was not allowed to be around men alone at any time. And here Mary is going out by the well with her mother, 
And the mother is there with her, making sure there's no men, because it was the hour of the day when only women were allowed to be at the well. And she was doing her duties as a young handmaid for the house, washing, getting water, doing those things. Her mother eased over to the side to hang out with the other women in the village. There was about three or 400 families that lived in the village where they were. And all of a sudden, something happens. She hears a voice, a man's voice, a thunderous voice behind her. And that voice began to do what? He said this. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you, verse 35. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you, and for this reason, everybody say this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of of God. And as he begins to prophesy and tell her what's getting ready to happen, you know what Mary said in verse 34? She said, "What? How can this be since I'm a virgin?" She didn't say it's impossible. She didn't say you're crazy. But she said, "How can this be since I'm a virgin?" I've never been intimate with a man. I've never been with a man, even Joseph. I have not been intimate with him or even alone with him. And, and Angel, how could this logically happen? If you're going to operate from logic, you'll never operate in miracles. I said, if you're going to operate in logic, you'll never operate in breakthrough. If you're going to operate in logic, you'll never operate in freedom. If you're going to operate in logic, you'll never operate in what true prosperity is, that you're rich with no sorrow. That's what the Bible calls true prosperity. How can this be? Now, some of us might respond to the angel. You might say, well, you're not a doctor. You're not a gynecologist. You don't even have a high school degree, let alone a medical degree. How do you think this is going to happen? In the natural realm, it's not possible. So when there's something in the natural that's not possible, the way you turn the impossible to possible, you put the super on the natural. This Christ, this Christos, this anointed one and his anointing is your super. Say, Christ is the super. <laughs> and, and, and what you know, Mary's like, well, well, well she didn't say anything about how, how, how can this be? And then the angel of the Lord tells her something in verse 37, very important. Nothing is impossible for God. Now, now, what does nothing mean? What does nothing mean? Is it impossible for me to get a new heart or a new kidney or a new liver? Nothing is impossible. Is it possible for God to take the brokenness and, and, and the, the guilt of sin and the brokenness of broken relationships or the pain of divorce or the pain of losing a loved one? Is it possible? So wherever you're sitting today, maybe you're lonely, maybe you're in fear over what could be, or maybe you're in regret over what did happen. Nothing is impossible for God. Another place in Scripture says nothing is impossible to who? Them that believe. Nothing is impossible to them that believe. The very foundation of our belief system is that Jesus came and was conceived by a virgin named Mary. He lived, he walked, 
30 years to 33 and a half years was his ministry. He was full of the Holy Ghost. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He set the captives free. He died on Calvary, went down into hell, took back the keys of life and death from Satan himself, ascended to the right hand of the Father, came back down and preached the gospel in person 40 days and 40 nights. In Acts chapter 1, what did he do? After he told them, go wait and tarry for the promise is coming. Who's that? Holy Spirit. Paracletos, the one called alongside you. And wait, for he surely will come. And we know in, in Acts 2, he did come. But there was something at the end of Acts 1 and the beginning of Acts 2 that's very critical and very important. It says, as Jesus told him about the promise, go tarry and wait on it. It said, then there was about 500 or so gathered around, and, and, and then he started to ascend to heaven in front of them. Do you know that's the first recorded church split? That over two-thirds of the 500 left, 400, approximately 480, 380. But 120 made it to the upper room. But here Jesus, the Son of God, is floating to that. How could you leave us again? How, how, how could you do this? They're so upset. And an angel of the Lord from Galilee appeared to them and said, Be not concerned. This same Lord, this same Jesus, will return in like manner. It still didn't soothe them. They quit God because he didn't move the way they expected him to move. He didn't say what they wanted him to say. He didn't do what they wanted him to do. It, you know, he wasn't the Burger King kingdom, have it your way. He is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. Every name that is named must bow its knee to that name, Jesus Christ, Lord. And he's not just Lord. He's Lord of all. How much is all? That's what I thought. We must have the same teacher. So one of the most important things you can learn from Mary is this, a lesson from Christmas. Christmas. Don't put God in a box because he wants you to do something that transcends your logic. Don't put God in a box because he wants to transcend something. He wants, you, he wants you to transcend and do something that doesn't live in your logic. It's not logical to you how, or me how a virgin can have a child. It's not logical, right? So as we begin to think of that, say, say, stay out of the box. What is the box? Unbelief, worry, fear. You know, really, that's not what, that's, that's what comes from what's in the box. That's the exterior of the box holding you and pinning you down. What really comes in is where your focus is. Where your focus goes, your energy flows. If I'm over here focusing on fear or whatever, I'll shimmer. If I'm over here focusing on what, worrying about something that could happen, then, then what about my emotions? But if I'm excited and got a great gift or something, I'm excited. What? Our bodies are made out of molecules. They're molecular. They put off energy. It's the way God created you. Simple biology teach you that. But what I want you to realize is the reason we are boxed in is not because God's limited. 
And not because Satan has the power to put you there or keep you there. We're in that box because of our own limitations and mindset where we don't see the Christ as King of Kings and Lord. He's King of Kings and Lord and Lord for that family and for that person, but what about me? He's their King. He's their Lord. He's their Savior, but what about my family? Say, get out of the box. <laughs> So one of the key reasons we don't want to see the supernatural is because we stay in logic. Now let's contrast what Mary said, her response to the angel of the Lord, to Zechariah. Who is Zechariah? Zechariah is a priest in the hill country of a, a pretty large city, and, and he's the priest. He's old in years. He and his lovely wife Elizabeth have been believing for a child their whole marriage and never had one. And, and it was even something he'd prayed. And he's believing and she's believing. And at this point, he'd probably given up. But a priest in that time might get to go into the Holy of Holies, into the, into the tabernacle, one time in their lifetime to light incense so that they could celebrate the coming of Christ. This was his turn. This was Zachariah's turn. To him, this is the pinnacle of ministry. This is the pinnacle of stature. This is the pinnacle of life. Everything he had worked for. I didn't get a son. I believed for a son. But you know what? I didn't get a child. But, 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 but what? I, here I am today. And the whole congregation in our, nation, in our city is waiting for me to go in and light the incense, the beauty of the Lord, of his holiness, and come back out and lead them in a great message I prepared my whole adult life to give them. But God. So, as we look at the question that Mary said, how can this thing be? The angel of the Lord, and I'm not going to get into the scripture, you can read it, but what basically happened was, he goes in to light the incense, no one is in there, they could die because only one priest in his entire life could do it. He's in there, light. he looks over and behold, there's this huge angel. And he's scared, he, what are you doing here? Isn't that the way it is when God gets in your box? What are you doing here? What are you doing in my fear? What are you doing in my worry? What are you doing in my lack? What are you doing in my poverty? What are you in here for? It almost makes you uncomfortable when he moves in your box to heal your body, to heal your mind, to touch your life, to bring you home spiritually. He enters your box. It's uncomfortable because you know how to worry really good. You know how to fear. I love it, but I'm preacher. My girl over there cheering me on, but I'm, I'm, I got this. You know how to operate in fear. Really good at operating in lack. Really good at operating in unbelief. That's comfortable, right? But when he gets in your box and he challenges you to rise up, he challenges you to believe, he challenges you to get up and move, that's not comfortable. That's uncomfortable. I mean, I, I, you that are saved, I'm saved. I could just go into heaven like this. I, I, you mean you want me to fast pray? You mean you want me to sow? You want me to serve? You want me to help others even though I'm in need? You want me to pray for others even though I'm sick? You want me to give to others that need even though I'm poor? What, 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 God, that's uncomfortable. It's not logical. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus is the only God that is not logical. Every other false God has logic behind it, and they will teach you from the logic of that God. But Jesus is the only one with the immaculate birth. He is the only one that is the Son of God, the true Son of God. And he is the way, the only way, the truth, and life forevermore. Only way is Jesus, he said it himself. Not just some good prophet or good man. Son of God. So, Zechariah goes logical whenever he's asked. And whenever the angel of the Lord asked him, told him that Elizabeth is going to be with child, he's like, well, how could that be? She's old. I'm old. It's not logical. And, and, and you know what's cool? I don't want to take time to read the verse, but when the angel said it, he said, your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, shall give birth to a son, to a child to you. And began to talk about John the Baptist's greatness, and he'll be a blessing to the world. He'll bring in and usher in the light of the world. He told him all this great things, and all the great preacher priest could do is say, that, that's not possible. Don't ever tell God that's not possible. It's not logical. It's not possible. You know what the angel of the Lord did? He closed his mouth and he says, you will not speak until this comes to pass. Because Zechariah, even though God had commissioned a miracle and said, this is happening. I'm answering your prayer, Zechariah. It was too important to God to let Zechariah's tongue and unbelief wipe out the miracle. That's proof right there that whenever you speak, the Bible says, you can speak life. You can speak death. Out of the abundance of the heart come the issues of life. You can have good issues or bad issues, but you're going to have issues. power of life and death is in the tongue. Zechariah did not understand how powerful he was. It was his prayer that drew God to his wife Elizabeth to give them John the Baptist, the Elijah of that time for Jesus to be ushered in and to be announced. This is not possible. This is not possible. To an angel. And he closed his mouth. So his doubts and unbelief could not be out in the atmosphere so John could be conceived. And once John was conceived, he opened up his mouth. I can't wait. He actually went out and almost did sign language because all the congregation, they're waiting. And they said they all thought he had to have a vision of the Lord. Look at his face. He's been in there way too long. I bet he's in there after the angel left. It probably didn't take long. He's like, can't preach my message now. I can't open my mouth. I can't move my mouth. I can't, I can't speak. And he had to come out and do some kind of sign language. He went through the whole thing, dismissed the people, and couldn't even tell Elizabeth what happened. But there shortly she conceived, and his mouth was open. Now, that might mean that he could still eat, but his tongue couldn't speak. Or maybe his mouth was closed. It don't take a long time to conceive when God's in it. I'd say, if I can't speak until you conceive, let's get to it, girl. 
Daddy's home. We're going to put up the Christmas tree decorations. You know what I'm saying? We're going to put up the lights, and we're going to put up the... Now, don't you adults make something out of that? It's not. We're just talking about Christmas here. Hallelujah. I bet he used faith then because he wanted to speak again. He wanted to live and not die. So look at what happens. What did Mary say? Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. But oh, blabbermouth, it's not possible. You just be quiet. Sometimes God shuts up your mouth and your influence to protect you. Sometimes we need to lose some influence so we don't destroy the plan of God over our lives or someone else's life. And you feel like you're in a box. You're not in a box. You're just in time out until you can repent and believe again. You see, here's what I want you to get out of this and we're going to pray. Both Jesus being conceived by Mary and, and, and Elizabeth having, having, being able to conceive with, with Zacharias to have uh, John the Baptist in her, for that to happen, both required a miracle. Both required the impossible to be possible. But you see, the difference was what? Mary said, let it be unto your handmaid and your service, as she said. Zechariah, he didn't, you know, Mary did answer. She did ask a question. She said, just say, how can it be? That's one way to talk to God. How can it be, Lord? In other words, I'm not judging you. Just what do I need to do? Zechariah was, this is not possible. All things are possible to them that believe. So both require a miracle. The difference is Zachariah's doubt was a miracle that led him to unbelief. You didn't get that. The very prayer he'd been praying was getting ready to manifest and God sent Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, to stand there and speak to him and tell him it's so. And the very miracle he prayed for when he was ready to grab hold of it, he lost his belief. He, 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 it, it, it just blew his mind. I mean, it can't happen that way. It should have happened when I was in my 20s or 30s or maybe even my 40s. No. You're a miracle. Your promise can drive you away from God or it can drive you to God. The miracle and impossibility that God has spoken over your life can drive you out or bring you in. Everybody say, my miracle, my promise. So his doubt was a miracle that led him to unbelief. But look at Mary. Mary's doubt was a miracle that led her to submit to the Lord. You're, as you said, Lord, it shall be. If God said it, Mary said, I don't understand it. I don't know, but I'm going to trust your word. I'm just going to embrace it. I'm going to serve you. 
You don't understand how you're going to walk into this promotion God gave you. You don't understand how you're going to walk in this provision that's been promised to you in 2023. You don't understand how God's going to bring these relationships you've been praying for, you need in your life so desperately. Just don't be like Zechariah when God brings those relationships in, you drive them out through your unbelief of this is too good, it couldn't happen, it couldn't happen to me, it's too good for me. Keep speaking it, you'll kill your miracle. Don't go into new year with your natural thinking. Don't go into the new year with just living by human understanding. Don't go into the new year with just depending on your education or the information you've gathered as if, as if it would determine what God can do. Because the angel told Mary to tell me to tell you nothing is impossible with God. You must enter 2023 this year with the understanding that God can destroy your box. God can mess up your thoughts and reverse your direction. And he can do it on a dime out of nowhere. If you box him in, you may not see his supernatural enter into your experience. Say, I want my supernatural. Every head bowed and every eye closed as we pray. This is so critical. This is so important. You under the sound of my voice, I believe every time this is played, people will come to Christ. But you in here today, I, I won't necessarily ask you to come forward, but I want to pray with you for salvation. You're far away from God. You're not serving God. You know, if you, you don't even know if you die today, if you go to heaven or hell. That's a bad place to be. And let me help you. If you don't know, then you know where you're going. Or maybe you've never prayed that prayer. Maybe you've never, we say pray that prayer. What, what is prayer? Communing and conversing with, asking, receiving from God. Prayer is when, whenever your communion with God through faith and his word is consummated to produce what nothing could be produced from the natural except from the supernatural. So you're in here today and Christ is not your Lord and Savior and you want to give your life to him. I'm just going to ask you on count of three. Say, I want to pray the prayer of salvation. I want to know that I know I'm born again. I want to know that I know I'm going to heaven. If that's you, I want to know, how do you, how do you get saved? Basically, the scripture tells us that if you believe in your heart and confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Believe that he rose from the dead, right? At the right hand of the Father, you shall be saved. His blood will atone your sin. By his stripes, the beating on his back, the 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails is your healing. 1 Peter 2.24, he was bare on that tree for suffering, our suffering, our grief, and by his stripes you were healed. So with no one looking around, you're here, you say, I need Christ today. I need to know that I know. I want to give my life to him. I want to pray that prayer. I want to accept Jesus as Lord. If that's you, on a count of three, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. This is your time. This is your moment. Say, so, well, next week. Well, the Bible says tomorrow is promised to no man or no person. Today is the day of salvation. This is your day. This is the only promise you have. Maybe you will be here tomorrow, next month. I don't know. But today is your day. So on the count of three, if you want me to pray this prayer with you, or just right where you are today, on the count of three, raise your hand and we'll pray. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your Thank you for that hand back there, sir. Other hands, other hands. The bravest person in the room. I know there's more than a dozen that you need to pray that prayer, but we'll pray it with this one gentleman back here. If no one else wants to receive Jesus today, 
The Bible says that whenever we take our last breath, to be absent from the body is to be present with your Lord. Which God will you be with? The Lord of this world, Satan, in hell? Or the God that's the God of our hearts and the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, in heaven? Where will you be? Five seconds, I'm praying with this gentleman. We're going to pray right where he's at. Anybody else? Five. You better raise your hand and pray for You ready to meet God right now? Three. You think you can handle it, huh? You can't handle your life now. How could you handle hell too? Any other hands? One? Any other hands? All right, let's all raise our hands, and we're going to pray with this gentleman. Let's all say this prayer together for him and with him, and you online as well. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I believe Jesus lived, died, and rose again. I believe his blood atones my sin. I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you, Father, that I am saved. I am born again. I am a child of God in Jesus' mighty name. Give God a big shout of praise if that's you. Come on. Give God. Let's all stand and give Jesus a hand. Stand and give Jesus a hand. Now, you, you can just, yeah. You, you just remain standing. Mark's going to close and let you out. I have already recorded the message for Christmas Day. Now, Christmas Eve, we have our live Christmas service, communion. You want to be here. It's about an hour long. It's amazing. But I already have recorded it. It's going to be shown three different times. Bring your family around. I'm really going to dive into this even more, this amazing miracle, and to make in, the impossible possible. Make sure you got loved ones around that need to be encouraged or maybe they need to give their life to Christ. Also, going into 2023, we'll be talking more about that. But part of what's going to happen is it's going to be a year of uncommon anointing, uncommon favor to do uncommon things on your behalf. It's going to be a year that your gospel, your life, your story is going to be someone else's gospel, whether it's provision, healing, whatever it is, miracles, promote. It's going to be a year of uncommon and supernatural promotions and so on. But we'll be talking more about it. I love you. God bless you.